Dale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains. From sea to shining sea, this is the host who loves you the most, Luke Fruit, here on another thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday Friends Torch Report 285, the sinister saga of the secret cabal. It continues as we continue exploring the connection between eugenics and sustainable development, the globalist agenda the, to rule us all. So let's just do it. Let's just jump in. No fear. No shame. Let's not be bashful, friends. If we can't call out the evil uh, that is pilfering the planet right now, then we've got nothing. If we can't speak freely and opine on the many, many conspiracies and controversies that continue to come true, then we've got nothing. We've got no dignity. We've got no pride. We've got no courage. And we've got no hope. Friends, resist. We must. And we must begin to resist by speaking out and challenging the narrative that all the sustainable development is necessary for the greater good. And I will continue today to drill down on the evil eugenics agenda that's being driven by the secret cabal of global elites. Their words, not mine. I always masked under the guise of sustainable development for the greater good and all of that. It's being pumped out to the masses with relentless military-grade propaganda. And the WEF gathering in Davos is just really, uh, it's the tip of the spear here. But I am but one voice in the storm. There is a growing chorus as more and more people wake up to what the heck is going on around here. So uh, to help in that department, friends, thank you so much for everyone who's sharing the podcast. A lot of subscribers coming in from reader sharing. That means the world. To help get the counter-narrative perspective out there, we have to take the time to find that little, you know, find the heart, click the heart. You know, give me some love, of course, but to share, 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 share the podcast, the Torch Report with everyone you know, friends. Here's the thing. The worst thing that any freedom-loving human being can do right now is just keep their head in the sand, pretend like it's not happening, and stay quiet. You know, just as much as the elites who are gathered in Davos do in fact believe we are facing a perilous planetary crisis, so too... Do we face the actual existential crisis of crippling global tyranny, the loss of free will and complete mental enslavement? We are but hackable animals in their minds, and they do intend to enslave us in the great global socialist surveillance state, that inescapable, technologically driven, dystopian hell. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's just the reality of the situation. And this mental enslavement, it's made possible by the power of psychological warfare. And make no mistake, my friends, we are under att attack, direct attack, mental attack. And that means that we should never stop speaking out, never stop sharing the truth, never stop annoying people by asking logical questions and challenging their assumptions and scoffing at their foolishness. But friends, don't stop trying to build relationships either here. So there, there's kind of two things. One is, is, is you know, verbally combating the, the predominant narrative. And the other part of it is, is kind of a balancing act. You know, on the one hand, we embrace the inner rebel. Uh, let your opposition, let your ODD, your oppositional defiance disorder, you know, uh, wear it proudly. Let it, let it just flourish a little bit there. But on the other hand, we need to be an ambassador of a better way. You know, help help people find a solution, a path beyond perpetual conflict, one that's rooted in mutual respect. We need to be ambassadors of mutual respect, advocating freedom 
as what's the the most good for the most people. You know, mutual respect and freedom are in the best interest of the greater good. So anyway, freedom is the most good for the most people. We just need to sell it. So help me get the message out by sharing this. Now to the news before we get into the uh, the eugenics and the global cabal here, uh, which has kind of been the current theme this week. Uh, before I pick up where I left off yesterday, I want to touch on a few hot topics of today, uh, if only to put them in their proper place and relegate them to the corner where they belong. There's a lot going on. I was listening to the radio yesterday, and I was just utterly appalled by the public's obsession with Biden's classified documents. Now, I've told you what I think about that. It's not, Nothing's going to happen. Uh, we've seen so much worse so many times. Nothing ever happens. But there are a couple of more twists in the story at this point. Uh, that could potentially prove me wrong. It remains to be seen. But the first thing uh, is that given the fact that these documents have been floating around the wild for over five years, it you know that makes the timing of the discovery and the release highly suspect. And my instinct, of course, is that this is all smoke and mirrors. But Joe Rogan came out and stated that he believes the, uh, the Democrat Party bosses may be looking to get rid of Joe Biden before 2024. And maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, but before we celebrate getting rid of Biden, let's just wait to see who's next in line. Because if that is the case and, and the deep state and the party bosses are trying to, you know, get old, you know, shuffling Joe, sock, pot, <laughs> sock puppet Joe Biden uh, out of the Oval Office, then guarantee they got somebody else in line. So. Uh, the other point I want to make is that as more stories come out about crackpipe Biden raking in millions of dollars through Chinese intelligence ties, all while paying almost $50,000 a month rent to the big guy, a.k.a. daddy. Uh, so <laughs> it, this is it's just so ridiculous. You know, Hunter Biden is paying an absorbent amount of rent to to crash at the Williamton house where his dad stashed a bunch of classified documents while he's uh, he's getting millions of dollars from a Chinese intelligence. It's just, I can't even make it up. And as this kind of stuff comes out, more people are going to get curious. And all these salacious stories are going to be driving the headlines for weeks. Meanwhile, there's a lot of other things going on because the cabal keeps marching on, which uh, confirms my suspicion that it is really, in fact, a distraction. But those two points might might uh, actually come to bear on the 2024 election. We'll find out about that. Now, also on my radar, just real quick here, is, is a lot of talk about a global stock market crash in 2023. Uh, some It's coming out of the WEF and Davos right now. A lot of the Davos elites, oh my gosh, we might have a stock market crash. And of course, a lot of the big tech, Mark, Microsoft, Amazon, they're laying off tens of thousands of people. Anyway, 24 out of 27 countries surveyed, including the full G7, ultimately believe that a global crash, market crash, is likely it's even imminent. So along with the displacement of the dollar and global trade, I don't know if you've been following that, uh, and the fact that we've already technically been in a recession for at least six months, I believe that all of this is meant to accelerate the transition to a global digital currency as envisioned by the WEF. If this is a top of mind issue for you, friends. I put a few links there in the article. Uh, the U.S. recession already six months old, says the Fed model. U.S. is in recession by any definition, says Michael Burry. Uh, 2023 spells big trouble for U.S. economy, says the majority of large banks. The digital do dollar is coming on the back of the FTX collapse, and the cashless future is here, and so is Big Brother. Those are a few ar uh, five articles that I've I've grabbed over the last week or so. I've been meaning to get to them. I just want to throw them in just for fun. 
And I put in a little, this, uh, this graphic uh, of, you got to look at the graphic. You got to check it out. It's just comical. Uh, it, it, it's a lighthearted uh, <clears throat> rendition of what's going on economically right now. Friends, if you're listening on a podcast platform, please know you got to go to thetorchreport.com to get all the goodies. So let's just not lose our sense of humor. I want to point out that law mo- lawmakers in Wyoming are trying to get ahead of all this insanity by proposing legislation to phase out electric vehicles by year 2035. So federally, we're going to phase them in by 2030, uh, by 2030. And, uh, you know, Wyoming is going to lead the way by phasing them back out by 2035. So that's some very practical mid to long term planning. So let's go ahead and zoom out. Zoop, you know, because at the surface level, the World Economic Forum gathering in Davos right now, they've assembled the global leaders to discuss and frame the future of humanity in terms of sustainable development and diversity and equity and inclusion. And again, you know, it's always just, it's dripping with altruism. It's altruism at its finest. And one should trust these all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving global cabal because they only have humanity's best interest at heart. I'm sure that that's the case. That's what they tell us anyway. And yet, and yet, my friends, as you no doubt have experienced for yourself, something just doesn't quite sit right. You know, over the last couple of days, we've talked about Thomas Malthus and Malthusianism, population control. Malthus thought that the elites needed to proportion the population, meaning they needed to, you know, shrink the population to a sustainable level so it didn't outgrow the uh, ability to grow food and sustain the human population. And his Malthusian theories were later adopted and promoted by the Club of Rome in their book called uh, The Limits to Growth, which we looked at. Uh, That, of course, compelled the original Davos crowd to crawl out their manifesto, the Davis Manifesto, to rule the world, which then... uh, became the World Economic Forum. Of course, they used the language to manage the resources. Um, And they did that, the Davis Manifesto, they did all of that without directly stating their intent to cull the human population. Now, these people are evil, friends. They are not stupid. So, you know, Malthus was pretty bold about how he said it. He did not care about individual human life. He only cared about the collective and the greater good. That is the cult of collective there. Uh, But it's pervasive. The mentality is pervasive. The hive mind is pervasive. The Club of Rome does not care about human life. They only care about the planet. And the WEF does not care about human life. They only care about power and control. I assure you, friends, that patterns abound. And I'm I'm sure you can see the patterns there. These pieces fit together like a well-made puzzle. But What we've yet to do here, and what I want to do here today, is to connect all of this directly to eugenics and the evil impulse to simply eradicate people who the global elites deem to be lesser human beings. And it's harsh sounding. It's terrible sounding. Come on, Luke. Who really wants to just eradicate lesser human beings? Well, let me tell you what, friends. For generations, the global elites have referred to these so-called lesser human beings as defectives. It reminds me of Hillary Clinton talking about deplorables. You know, the smelly Walmart people. Uh, You know, uh, Obama saying that, that, you know, the bitter clingers who cling to their guns and Bibles. Now, these defectives 
according to the global elite, in their own literature, Malthus, uh, Malthusian principles and literature, the Club of Rome, the human predicament, the, the limits to growth, all this stuff, they talk about these, def these defectives like to breed. In fact, out of ignorance, the defectives like to breed a lot, and they've been shown to have a much higher population growth rate than that of the more reserved and restrained ruling class. In essence, the you know the ignorant, poor, unintelligent peasants are out there, you know, copulating and procreating at an unsustainable rate, and keeping in mind the fact that the elites have been keen to this problem for hundreds of years. We now have a basis of understanding the roots of the global eugenics movement. If the poor, ignorant, unintelligent peasants are reproducing at a faster pace than the upstanding, intelligent, productive people of the world, this spells disaster for society. Okay? Indeed, these population dynamics are, are explicitly spelled out and studied in uh, Limits to Population Growth, the, the, the uh, Human Predicament, and all of that. And they've shown... In, at least in their models and their theories, that these population dynamics increase crime, increase disease, increase social discord, inequality, global pollution, and a general degradation of civil society. And so if you think about that, you know, eugenics seeks to solve all these problems. The, the problems of, you know, increased crime and disease and, 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 you know, civil unrest, inequality, all of that pollution, degradation of society. And you know what? The UN Sustainable Development all goals also seek to deal with these population dynamics and crime and disease and discord and inequality and pollution. Exact same thing. Okay, I'm just trying to you know, hold it up there like that and look at it like that because they are, in fact, synonymous. And to really put this into perspective... I want to I share a passage with you. I would like you to consider, if you will. I will submit for your consideration, my friends, in this astute listening audience, because you are way above average here, way ahead of the bell curve. Uh, this passage from a book titled Tomorrow's Children, The Goal of Eugenics. The book was written by Ellsworth Huntington in conjunction with the directors of the American Eugenics Society, and it openly compares these defectives, the deplorables, to being a cancer in society. This is coming from page 45 of the book. It's the chapter that's titled Race Hygiene. Again, if you're not, uh, if you're not at the Torch Report checking this out, you're missing out, friends. So check out thetorchreport.com, and I'll read here for you. In the chapter Race Hygiene, they say... The defectives, whom we have just been considering, may be compared to an insidious disease affecting the body politic. Because there is no overwhelming increase of such people in any one generation, the problem of eliminating the disease does not seem urgent. They think, oh, there's enough stupid peasants out there, but it's not, it doesn't seem like it's a big problem because they're kind of scattered out there, you know. But therefore, you know, the natural inclination the natural inclination is to leave the matter for later generations, just as the individual is tempted to postpone an examination for the apparently trivial symptoms, which are the forebodings of cancer. Eugenics is racial preventative medicine, okay? That's a direct quote out of the book. The goal of eugenics, eugenics is racial preventative medicine. Now, where have we heard about preventive medicine and the, and the precautionary principle? It's all over in the globalist literature. 
And in this chapter, they're trying to kind of stave off the uh, the the challenging to challenges to this narrative. I mean, can, can the treatment of cancer really properly be compared with the treatment of defectives? They ask the question in the book, and they provide the answer. They say there is a close parallel between the two. Uh, just as opiates lessen the pain of cancer, so too do religion, philanthropy, and education at great expense to society restrain some of the hereditary weaklings from doing harm. Nevertheless, crime and dependency keep on increasing because new defectives are born just as new cancer cells remorselessly penetrate into surrounding tissues. So you see, my friends, eugenics really is a racial preventative medicine. They have to stop these defectives from, from spreading out like cancer into society. These very educated academic elites Friends, most of the people in the in the uh, the American Eugenics Society, U American Eugenics uh, movement, ultimately are professors. They're deans. They're heads of departments for Ivy League institutions, and they have the gall to go on and say in this report that, quote, our present methods of treating defectives leave great numbers to produce offspring and create new cancers in the body politic. Holy smokes. At that point, they're euthanizing people, and they're saying these methods of euthanizing people that are, you know, too dumb or too whatever, you know, they're, 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 they're deplorables. They're, you know, they're a plague upon society, a cancer. We, you know, we got to do something because we're leaving too many great numbers to produce new offspring and create new cancers in the body politic. And they go on to say it would be no means a misnomer to call the American Eugenics Society a society for the control of social cancer, period, end quote. Friends, just sit with that for a bit. You know, these are well-educated people who have determined that the so-called uh, defectives are a social cancer. And I assure you, they have a very detailed plan to cure this cancer, which has culminated in nothing other than the UN Sustainable Development Goals. But the history here is fascinating. And this connection between eugenics and the global cabal, you know, how, how, does, how does that connect? Is there a link between the American Eugenics Society and the Club of Rome? You know, yes, in fact, there is. You know, can all this talk of eradicating effectives for the greater good be tied directly to the WEF and the UN Sustainable Development Goals? Why, yes, yes, it can. But here we have to connect some more dots. And we need to link then and now. Because when when uh, Nazi Germany picked up on the, the literature from the American Eugenics Society and tried to wipe out all the Jews, <laughs> they, they kind of went underground. And... They, they changed their language just a little bit. And it, it's easy to connect eugenics to the progressive agenda uh, via, you know, the people like Margaret Thatcher and Bill Gates Sr., uh, Planned Parenthood and all of that. But the, the pervasive influence of eugenicist college professors on multiple generations of aspiring young leaders simply cannot be overstated. They really proliferate all aspects of leadership in society, politics, think tanks, NGOs, etc. But to find a crystal clear connection between eugenics and the global cabal, we need to look no further, friends, than our very own great American government and their account of history, <laughs> which is no doubt slanted. But they cannot defy the deny the fact that the eugenics movement 
has been deeply embedded within the national scientific community forever. And I've got a little screenshot there talking. It's it's from the uh, genome.gov, the National Institutes for Health. National Human Genome Research Institute, and it talks about eugenics, and it talks about uh, the neo-Malthusianism and how the 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 belief to we need to control the global population and all to prevent mass starvation and societal collapse. It's all there, and these people are plugged into you know prominent scientific publications and also the National Institutes for Health and also uh, this Human Genome Project and having these highly esteemed eugenicists deeply involved in the human genome project is is uh it's remarkable the potential implications for this fact are far-reaching though that's a journey we'll have to take another day i'm just noticing the time here going to go a little bit long friends uh these people of course are being denounced as not being politically correct these days but we can look straight from the genome.gov website and we can see the connection between eugenics and Malthus, Malthusianism. And then we, we've already established the connection from Malthus to the Club of Rome and from the Club of Rome to the World Economic Forum. And what's key here is the underlying belief in all of these uh, different groups, organizations who are working together, there's the underlying belief that the human population is unsustainable. And they believe they have the science and the charts and the graphs and the theories to prove that. And they also believe that there is a significant percentage of our population who are deemed to be defective, okay? Defective. They're just dirty, nasty human beings who are destroying the planet, which we want to save and preserve as a pristine future Earth for all the future generations of the global elite, okay? So then you, you hear the quote, fast forward to the 21st century, and we just don't need the majority of the human population, spoken at Davos in a WEF forum. And right now, we have the global leaders gathered to talk about leading the charge through Earth's new normal. And they have declared, that's actually the title of one of the, the talks they had this week, leading the charge through Earth's new normal. Uh, Al Gore out there just going off his rocker, screaming about the polar bears or whatever. I don't know. You probably saw that out there in the news. Um, but they decided that now, they've declared uh, unequivocally, that we are in a planetary crisis that requires radical solutions, eugenics solutions, in order to usher us into an era of sustainability. The point is this, my friends. These people have been collaborating to control the human population by any and all means necessary for generations. And whereas they once worked in the shadows, now they are right out in the open using feel-good language to dupe the masses into accepting the implementation of their sinister plans. Uh, <laughs> friends, the documentation of eugenics, it, it's as robust as it is disturbing. And the scope of it greatly exceeds the capacity of this 20-minute podcast. And suffice it to say, for now and for today, that the average peasant simply isn't privy to all the plans of the global cabal and the majority of the human population they consider to be an impediment to their progress. We need to keep that in mind when we hear about people falling over dead after receiving government-mandated vaccines or, you know, the facts that studies are now showing as few as four of these genetic injections can completely destroy the innate human immune system. So, hey, you know... I, is this all just a great big accident? What's going on in the world? Or could this all be part of the plan? Hmm, friends, it certainly seems to check a lot of boxes. But regardless of one's persuasion, we know there are dark forces shaping our reality to this day, which calls to mind the friendly admonition, resist we must, 
and never forget my friends that resistance is the spice of life and that is the message of my heart for today friends if you're enjoying this podcast please take the time go to the site go to the app click the heart give me some love subscribe if you have not subscribed already and of course the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know get out there and embrace this thrilling thought-provoking thursday and i'll look forward to talking to you again